0: We'll take your Bibles and turn to second Corinthians chapter one, please. Second Corinthians chapter one. it never ceases to amaze me how God works out each service. Um, it's fascinating to see the order of service this evening and the songs that were chosen. Uh, Pastor Brian and I have not really talked that much this week, however, the songs he chose are going right along with our passage for the evening, and I believe that is Not an accident. Uh, God worked that out for us, and I trust that it will be a blessing uh, this evening as we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians is the last of four letters written to a church that the Apostle Paul greatly loved and cared for, but at the same time gave the Apostle a real run for his money. They were a church of great opportunity and potential, but they also struggled greatly in areas of sanctification. And these two books, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, we get a great uh, a glimpse at who Paul is in his heart and in his ministry as he ministers to these beloved believers. And I trust, again, we'll be blessed as we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. At the outset, I wanted to ask a question. Have you ever been discouraged And when I say discouraged, I mean like really discouraged, like totally discouraged. Statistics show that right now, discouragement, depression, and despair are very prevalent in the world. In fact, the World Health Organization calls depression the leading cause of disability in the world. They even call it a disability, it disables people. More than 264 million people have been been reported to suffer from depression or discouragement or despair. Many articles have been written about it, many processes and theories of overcoming it have been submitted. It is a costly trouble. It has cost many dollars. In fact, according to the U.S. National Institute of Health, the economic burden from depression has increased from 236 billion in 2010 to 326 billion in 2018. Now that's not even before a pandemic. That's not even before rumors of World War III, all the situations that we're going through right now. So from 236 to $326 billion are spent. Not only money, depression has cost lives. Many who suffer from depression have been tempted to end their life while in its grips, and some have succeeded. Right now, our country is languishing under the depths of despair, and one group especially hard hit is the teenage population in our country. These impressionable young people have been inundated by a postmodern thought and philosophy, philosophy declaring that for them this life has no bedrock truth and their subjective reality is all there is to pursue for fulfillment. Your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. There is no truth and that logically will progress to a point where they will get to a to the depths of despair where they think, well, what is the purpose of anything? It makes sense then that our young people, your grandkids, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, lead all demographics in depression and suicide. And the reality is that people lose hope. Now, we may sit here in church and think that the church is an exception to the rule. But I can tell you stories of men and women in history that know, that love, and have served Christ, that have struggled mightily with depression and a temptation to despair. Men like C.H. Spurgeon join with biblical characters like Elijah, David, and even, yes, the Apostle Paul to wrestle with the darkness of depression and despair. I'll remind you, the psalmist even asked, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Many tempted to despair, know not even how or why they are experiencing the difficulties they are. And if they don't know how to fix it, then they also don't know how to get relief from its grips. Some have described depression as a spiral, a pit that just continues to go down with no bottom. But tonight... We're going to examine a theology of depression, just very short, very short theology of depression. And we're going to look through the dark, during a dark time in the life of the Apostle Paul. And we're going to follow his, uh, this hero of the faith's formula for overcoming depression or despair. And we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. Let's pick up our text in verse 8. Paul says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. Verse 9, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that, ye, that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. That's our text for the evening. We need to understand first and foremost the nature of depression. We need to try to grasp what Paul's trouble was. He says, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant of our trouble. Verse 8. It came to us in Asia. Okay, can I say? First off, trouble has a way of coming from many places. Depression may come from many different locations, different places, different reasons for that depression, that despair. What's fascinating is as you read verse 8, do you feel comforted knowing where and what that depression looked like after you read verse 8? No, because it doesn't give us any real details on it. Other than it was major trouble that came to them in Asia. Trouble has a way of coming from many places. We don't know what the trouble was in this instance. Some have postulated and some have guessed that the, the, one of the, the issues that Paul was experiencing could have been the fightings with literal beasts in an arena in Ephesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 covers that in verse 32 when he says, "'If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus,' What advantage it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Uh, that was one guess, is that perhaps he was actually experiencing a physical fight, and he was actually fighting literal beasts in an arena in Ephesus. If you remember the Ephesus story, there was a lot of turmoil and a lot of opposition that Paul experienced. Could that be the trouble that he is speaking of? Maybe. What else? What else? Others have postulated that it is beatings at the hands of the Judaizers, whether it be lashes or rods. And if you remember, if you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about some of his, uh, the resume of his uh, difficulties. And you look at verse 24 and 25, it says, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. So 39 stripes, five times. Verse 25, thrice was I beaten with rods? Once was I stoned? Thrice I suffered shipwrecked. A night and a day have I been in the deep? Okay? Difficulties? Great difficulties. <clears throat> but is that the difficulty that he's speaking of? We don't know. What about health-related difficulties? Again, Second Corinthians chapter 12, talk about <clears throat> Paul's thorn in the flesh. There was a thorn in the flesh given to him by Satan to buffet him. That word buffet actually means to beat about the head. So Paul experienced great difficulties. Was this the difficulty, a health-related difficulty that Paul is speaking of in 2 Corinthians chapter 1? We don't know. And the bottom line is no one knows what the trouble was, but it was very serious. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But before we look at how bad the trouble was, I must ask a question. Why must we know? Why do we have to know what Paul experienced? Now, I will say that I think there's a genuine curiosity about Paul, and I think we should do our best to try to understand uh, him and his life and his ministry and how he went about his business. But I also know that in my heart, as I struggle, I want to know Paul's difficulty so that I can, in some way, compare. I want to compare my struggle to his, and I want to, I want to compare his struggle to mine, and I want to see how I match up. And I want to see how Paul's problem matches up to my problem. Is Paul's trouble really that bad? Does I mean, Paul's never experienced this, has he? And what's interesting is God doesn't tell us where this trouble came from other than it was in Asia he doesn't say what the trouble is specifically. and This means, then, that since we don't have the specifics, that does a wonderful thing for us. That allows every believer to apply these truths to their own struggles, no matter what they are. You may be experiencing deep, dark issues, deep, dark struggles. You may have loved ones who are experiencing deep, dark struggles, and each one of us can take those struggles and we can apply it to the truths we're going to find here in the next few moments to overcome those difficulties. So in one sense, it's a great thing that God has not let us know what Paul's trouble was. We don't need to compare. What is important is not where the trouble comes from, but rather how are we going to respond in that trouble. Now, as I mentioned before, we need to figure out how bad this trouble was. We don't know what it was, but we do know that it was pretty serious. And trouble has a way of coming from many places, but also trouble is often miscalculated. We see others experience trouble, but we are unsure of its depths. And so, what does Paul do? He says and he writes, verse 8: For we would not, brethren, have you to be ignorant of our trouble. Paul declares how he felt, he owns it, and he declares what he experienced. By those observing, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Please try to understand what I went through. This is a wonderful thing for the Apostle Paul to do. Why? Well, because it opens the door to what it means to be a believer or a follower of Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, have you ever asked someone, hey, how are you? And the person looks at you and says, do you really want to know? And then you're like, oh. I think I hear my wife calling me, or I think I hear my mom calling me. Or we ask the question, but sometimes we don't want the answer. In this case, Paul is letting them know the answer. Corinthian believers, I want you to know what I've experienced, and I want you to know the depths of it. Beloved, if we are called to bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ, as Galatians chapter 6 speaks of, then when we have, as believers, have the opportunity to understand the hopes, the dreams, the failures, the struggles of our fellow believer, that is what we should be doing. The teens know that as, as we have been working in, in youth group, one of the, the words that we like to throw around in youth group is that we seek to connect with one another. We connect. We know each other's hopes, dreams, failures, schedules. Why? Not for our own nosiness and our own ability to know what's going on, but so that then when there is trouble, when there is struggle, then we can bear one another's burdens, and we can come alongside one another. If you don't know the person sitting next to you, you probably won't show up in their moment of need. And Paul writes to these believers and he says, I want you to know. You're going to have to, it's going to be awkward for a second. It's going to be uncomfortable. But I do want you to understand what we experienced in Asia. James chapter 5 and verse 16 states that we are to confess our faults one to another that we may be healed. I don't know about you, but I don't like that first part. I don't want other people to know my struggle. I don't want people to know when I've failed. But the end of the verse makes it clear in James chapter 5, verse 16, that in order for there to be victory, in order for there to be progress, you may have to open up and you may have to declare, I'm struggling. Why? Because then the believer can come alongside and the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There is great progress that can be made as you unload, if you will, on a fellow believer. This is biblical living. Now, this, again, can be messy, but we are all messy. Why? Because we are all battling sin and its effects. No one has it all together all the time. Last week, I did not have it all together. I had all kinds of germs inside me, and I was at home, sick, on my back. And it was great to hear from you guys. Not necessarily in person, but to hear from my family. Well, everyone is asking how you were doing, Pastor Nate, or or Dad, or Nate. And, And it was great to hear from you. Why? Because I was under the depths of sickness. And then you encouraged my heart. We're all messy. We're all battling sin and its effects. Again, no one has it all together all the time. And Paul didn't either, and he declared to the Corinthians as much. And one of the best ways to do that is to seek to understand one another. When there is that unloading, are you listening and are you open to understand the predicaments of your fellow believer? Again, this is not popular, but this is what a disciple of Jesus does. And Paul calls them to understand some stuff. What did he call them to understand? Well, here's what he says. This is really hard. You look at verse 8. It says, I want you, we'll start at verse 8. For we would not, brethren, that you be ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Here's what it is. That we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. It pressed him out of measure. He was completely overwhelmed by it. He couldn't even measure it. Have you ever tried to measure something and your tape measure runs out of tape? It's frustrating. And then you kind of are at a loss because you don't know how much further it goes. And so in this case, Paul was experiencing a difficulty, a trouble like that. He had measured it to a certain point and then it just got more than he could even measure. Again, some describe depression as a hole with no bottom. It spirals down and down, and there's no way to measure it. There was no way to get out of it. That's what Paul is saying in this case. So it pressed him out of measure. On top of that, it was above strength. What does that mean? It was above his strength to carry on their own. This was literally weighing them down to the point where they didn't know if they could keep going. Galatians, again, talks about this when he says we are to bear one another's burdens. And that word for burden is literally something too heavy to carry. And that's what Paul is experiencing right now. Now, I don't know if you're experiencing something like that right now, or if you have someone that is around you, a loved one who's experiencing something like that. But have you ever had someone look at you and say, I don't know if I can keep doing this? For Paul, it was above his strength to carry on. On top of that, it now started to make inroads into his spiritual life. He says, in so much that we even despaired even of life. They despaired because of that trouble. They expected even the sentence of death to be upon them. In other words, they're not getting out of this one. At his lowest, he felt like he was going to die. And lest we think this is no big deal, some have postulated that this time in Paul's life fundamentally transformed him and the mindset with which he went about his ministry. Paul previously thought of himself as one who would be alive at the return of Christ. Consider 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Also, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15 through 17 talks about, then we which are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord... Paul previously thought of himself as one who would be alive, but now it shifts to a resurrection mindset with a post-mortem glorification. In other words, Paul says, we're not going to make this. This was no small trouble for Paul. This was great darkness and deep waters, and he called the Corinthians to pay attention. What about you? Are you going through these great depths like Paul? Are you experiencing something that you just don't seem to to even measure? You can't seem to measure it. It's too much. And then maybe it's something that's just heavy on you, and you just can't seem to keep going. Can I ask you, does anyone know about that? I know it's a small thing, and we're going to get to how you can overcome it, but I would encourage you to talk to someone, a fellow believer, and say, hey, listen, would you pray with me? It's a small thing, but it's a doable thing. To begin the process of overcoming difficulty, this great depths of despair. And then, are you seeking to understand and know the struggles of others so that you can lend aid? Maybe you're sitting here and everything is going well for you right now. The time to prepare for difficulty is not while you're going through the difficulty, but before you get to it. And so, even now, if you're sitting here preparing for despair or the the temptation to despair, that is a good thing. It's an awkward conversation. We don't necessarily like to talk about it, but getting ready for the difficulties. Why? Well, we know troubles will come. John chapter 16 and verse 33 talks about that. Jesus tells us that trouble will come from this world, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. So John chapter 16, verse 33 makes that clear, but the question is, how should we respond? What should our perspective be in the midst of darkness? Because now we've, we've looked at the, what the difficulty was, or the, at least the depths of Paul, Paul's difficulty. But now, secondly, we're going to look at the process of overcoming that difficulty. Because we actually see that Paul goes on to, for many years of fruitful ministry after this situation, this scenario, he was able to keep going. He was able to be used by God mightily, even though he had the season of despair. So what was the key and how did he get, get through it? Well, it begins with orientating his focus. Okay, overcoming depression the way Paul did begins with orientating your focus. And what do you have to do? You have to stop thinking about your problem, and you have to start thinking about truth within that trouble. In other words, Paul preached to himself the truth amid trouble. A uh, a counseling uh, author, um, a biblical counseling author by the name of Ed Welch, has written a blog post dealing with overcoming depression. And in it, he says, depression tries to tell us what is true and what, is, what isn't. For example, it says that you will never feel any different and you can't continue to live in such a condition. It says that God doesn't care and no one loves you. It tries to persuade you that nothing matters. Know, however, that depression lies. You have to tell it the truth rather than listen to its interpretation of your life. And so what did Paul need to do? Paul began by preaching to himself, not listening to himself. Again, emotions are great servants, but horrible masters. And we are called to preach to ourselves truth. And this is what Paul begins to do. He has a shift of focus. And he understands that, first off, in overcoming depression, you have to know that trouble has a purpose. Look at verse 9. It says, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. And then that next word, that. And that word that can be translated as in order that or because. And so we have, verse 9, the sentence of death for a reason. What is that reason? That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Verse 11, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that that he will yet deliver us. We have to understand that our troubles and our difficulties, and yes, even sometimes when we are tempted to despair, can be and have a purpose. You must not trust yourself is the first thing we must understand. You can't trust your circumstances and you can't trust your strength. Sometimes people who struggle in depression say, I can't even get out of bed. We have to consider that we are merely earthen vessels, we are but dust. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 30 says, Even the youths shall utterly faint and be weary. And then, uh, and then Isaiah forty thirty one. but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So you must not trust in yourself. You must not trust in your circumstances and you must not uh, trust in your own strength. We are not sufficient to overcome some of these things. Why? Because In and of ourselves. Why? Because we are still wrestling with the effects of sin. So you must not trust yourself but what must you do instead? So we say we don't do something, and at the exact same time, we must do something. So what do we do? We must trust God. We must trust God. And that sounds simple, and it sounds, uh, it sounds kind of a little bit trite. It's the Sunday school answer, right? Well, who should you trust in the midst of your trouble? Well, God. But think about this. In the midst of difficulty, why can we trust God? Why should we put our faith in him? Well, think about this. God is the one who has delivered you. What does that deliverance look like? For, uh, for those who are believers, God has delivered you from hell, from sin. He's now called you his child. You think about for a moment what God has done for us, God who loved us sent god to save us from god for god you think about the gospel you focus on what christ has done for you why can we trust god because god has washed your sins away god has given us hope through the blood of our savior And so the most important thing that a person struggling in great depression needs is they need the gospel. Whether they're, obviously if they're unsaved, they need the gospel for salvation. But even a person who is saved, they need to go back and look at the deliverance that God has delivered them from. Why can we trust God? Because God has delivered. But then also think about this, God will deliver us. Even if the difficulty you are facing actually takes your very life, that is also deliverance because now God will take us to be home with him forever in heaven. I remember when my younger brother was languishing in in great physical difficulty. And I remember praying right before he passed away. I said, Lord, I'm going to pray that you would heal Mark. And I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep praying. And I want you to know I'm going to keep praying. Shortly thereafter, God took him home to be with him. And I sat there in a moment, and the light dawned on me, and I said, he just answered my prayer. God healed to the uttermost. And so even when we are in the midst of difficulty, and yes, we may even have the sentence of death upon ourselves, we can look to God and we can take heart knowing that the one who delivered us from the penalty of sin is also going to deliver us in the future. God then is our source of comfort. In fact, if you look at verse 4, we don't have time for that for right now. I wish we did. But if you look at verse 4, it talks about how God comforteth us in our tribulation. Why? That we may be able to comfort others. And there's comfort. That word comfort is used so much, it almost is awkward in that verse, verse 4. So trouble has a purpose. You must not trust, trust yourself. You must trust God. But then on top of that, We need to understand that every moment of every day serves a purpose. We can trust a sovereign God that our every moment is under his watchful care and concern. Even times of trouble and the temptation to despair can be used by God to teach us to be dependent upon him. And when you can't get out of bed and you say, Lord, I can't seem to to function today. I need you. Please deliver me. Help me. When we cry out, that is a prayer that our sovereign God hears, and he gives that comfort. This is what then is good and brings glory to God and in ways that that ease cannot. Have you ever gone through great difficulty and you walk through and say, I don't think I would pick that again for myself, but boy, am I thankful, though difficult, that I went through it. Why? Because I saw who my God was in a way that I would not have seen him unless I went through this difficulty. And so there is a purpose in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of, yes, even the temptation to despair. There can be purpose. But then also, trouble then brings opportunity. Look at verse 11. He talks about his own personal life, and he talks about his own personal, in, what's going on inside him and in his mind. But then, verse 11, he shifts. And he says, "...ye also..." Helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Trouble brings great opportunity. For who? Well, for God's people. For God's people to help to lend that spiritual support, to lend that prayer. There's a great opportunity in difficulty for another fellow believer to come alongside and say, hey, listen, I'm with you. Let's go to the Lord together. I'll walk alongside you. Again, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It works. It does amazing things. Beloved, you play a part. You play a part in helping the, 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 the individual who is struggling under the weight of depression, de- despair. Some of us might say, well, I don't know if I could help them. I, I, don't, I don't know if I have the training. I don't know if I have all the answers. Well, what are you to do? You are to encourage them like Paul to go back and understand you have a, there's a purpose. You must go back and trust that God is working in this situation You encourage them, you point them, you push them to God. You pray for them. I've appreciated the theme so far this year on prayer. Oh, so important that we are praying for one another. And not just for the physical, we can pray for those requests, but also praying for the spiritual strength to go through some of the difficulties. The Apostle Paul was helped along through the thoughts and prayers of God's people. We all can have this ministry. Some who would say, my knees have given out, my strength is not what it used to be, you can still pray. Those who would say, I don't know if I'm spiritually mature, you can still pray. We all have this ministry to those around us. And I submit you must have this ministry to those around us. If it's everyone's responsibility, it's no one's responsibility. And so are you actively asking God, Lord, would you show me or help me to have an opportunity to help someone else to know you, to love you, to go through something and to encourage them in you? Are you praying earnestly for those in the depths of difficulty right now? Are you praying for those who are discouraged? Paul credits two, people, or two groups of people, For his success in overcoming difficulty, he credits God for sure. But then he also credits God's people as being the source of that help. Again, can anyone say that of you this evening? What would be the result of all of this? Very quickly, the end of verse 11. We need to understand that not only are God's people able to step forward and be a help, but then also God would be worshipped through the work of God's people. Thanksgiving, comfort, and worship can be the result of those dark days. He says, um, verse 11, Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us, by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Thanking God for the opportunity to help, thanking God for the other believers who have helped. Others take notice and praise God for a body of Christ that comes alongside and supports those who are going through great difficulty. God gets the praise and God gets worship because of it. So then, beloved, how do we pray for dark days? Should we always pray for relief? Oh, we are free to come and ask for relief, but what if relief of suffering meant a cessation of God's work in the life of someone observing, someone suffering? God fixes the problem, but then that ministry to another person observing is ended. Perhaps we should pray that through it all, God would be glorified and that all would see God in his glory. Even in the midst, the depths of despair god can still do wondrous amazing things so there is a purpose for our difficulty to wrap this all up i mentioned ch spurgeon in the introduction he's known as the prince of preachers and this british pastor saw god do wonderful things it's estimated that spurgeon preached to around 10 million people during his lifetime He was active in evangelism and soul winning, utilizing a vibrant Sunday school, a homeless shelter, and and even an orphanage to reach the people of London with the gospel. He was active in discipleship, even leading uh, a training institute for future preachers to reduplicate and to disciple. And this man, known for great spiritual success, was prone to great times of darkness and gloom even declaring one time in a sermon in front of his congregation, my spirits were sunken so low that I could weep by the hour like a child, and yet I knew not what I wept for. It doesn't seem possible that a person like Spurgeon or a person like Paul would experience such fits of darkness. But if the prince of preachers and probably the greatest Christian the world has ever known can experience depression... Isn't it foreseeable that we probably would be tempted in that direction as well? We certainly should prepare our hearts to deal with this subject biblically then. All of us will at one time or another be discouraged. Again, I had a, 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 a friend, a pastor friend of mine, who used to tell me, hey, cheer up, Nate, it'll get worse. Okay, So we've got to get ready for it. For sure, we will... Have loved ones also that will experience great dark waters. Our world around us is mired in it. How can we help them? How can we help ourselves when faced with this great difficulty? Thankfully, we saw tonight that Paul's difficulty was great, but there was something bigger than relief from depression and trouble. Paul needed God and God's people more than he needed comfort in that moment. And for him, God's purposes and difficulty were far greater than his feelings of that despair. This mindset unlocks an amazing thing. It unlocks the ability to experience the comfort of God amid the darkness of depression. Again, I've always heard the time to prepare for difficulty is not when you're in it, but when you are going to go through it before you enter it. Depression is no different. Perhaps you are doing well currently. Maybe you're doing well and things are going well. Can I encourage you to be like the Corinthians who helped Paul? Perhaps you're in the depths of depression, despair. You don't know what to do. Can I encourage you to have the right perspective amid your darkness? Talk to people, let them know. Be willing to minister. Allow God to use your struggle to be a help to others. And in a world consumed with depression, I believe it is high time that God's people confront this trend with the hope of the gospel and the love that seeks to edify those mired in its grasp. Tonight we have seen how to do both of those things. God, help us to implement these truths into our lives. Would you bow together in prayer with me, please? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know what you're going through, I I don't, there was no real reason other than that the Holy Spirit placed this message on my heart. If you're going through great difficulty, we would love to help you. Maybe you're not going through great difficulty. Would you be willing to say, Lord, would you use me? Would you use me to be a help to someone else? Maybe you're going through this difficulty and you don't have Christ. What you need is you need Christ. He's the greatest hope you will ever have. Whatever the Lord is doing, I want to give you a moment just to to, to talk to God and to deal with the Lord. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. We're going to have an invitation for those who might need some help. We'd be happy to help you. But if not, maybe just sitting and talking to the Lord is what we need to do. So I'm going to give you just a few moments to do just that. And then we'll close in prayer and then do uh, we'll sing our song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. You are the God of hope and you have purchased that hope with, with uh, your son's blood. Lord, we can be confident of the future, even in the midst of difficulty, even when tempted to despair. Help us to deny that temptation, and to hope in God, to trust in you. You are trustworthy. If we can trust you for salvation, we can trust you for uh, the victory over this dark despair. Lord, I pray for your people. Lord, whatever they're going through, I pray that you would be their comfort and their hope For those of us, Lord, who maybe are burdened for someone else, I pray that you'd help us to reach out and to show love, support, and prayer for those who are mired in this great, dark difficulty. We're thankful for the gospel, that it gives the victory. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.